Hi guys and welcome back to the Female Fitness Podcast. We are your hosts, Danny and Sammy. And in today's episode, we have not one, but two coaches from Revive Stronger. So guys, would you like to tell us a bit about yourself? Absolutely not. <laughs> but Steve, go ahead, you, you start off because I'm just going over tangent here then. <laughs> so I guess um, I am Steve Hall of Revive Stronger and we are an online coaching company and a content provider. So we have a podcast ourselves that we absolutely love um, and we get to interview experts and share that. So that's really cool. We do blog posts. Um, Miguel is fronting those at the moment. And Miguel Blacu, another coach for our team. And we also have an intern, Ryan Solomon, who does a lot of marketing things for us. So it's really cool and exciting to be part of that. And I guess I was the kind of head of that, um, having kind of suffered somewhat of a severe accident and then revived stronger out of that. That's kind of where we came from. And I competed in natural bodybuilding in 2014. That's how I kind of grew my initial following and love for bodybuilding and have competed since in 2017 and did far better than I did the first time, which was really cool. And uh, I fell in love with it. And that's what we're all about, kind of trying to take people's bodies and physiques to their ultimate best, revive them stronger is the kind of way we like to think about that in that I know how bad you can be in what a scenario you can be in and build yourself up from that. So uh, I absolutely love bodybuilding and changing people's physiques and everything that goes into that uh, with a passion. And uh, apart from that, pizza is the next best thing. And uh, I have a girlfriend named Charlotte who I absolutely <laughs> love as well. So uh, that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> Yeah, so um, in regards to me, there's nothing that, that much to talk about. So Steve mainly brought up everything about uh, Revive Stronger. That is also my child. Um, not my biological child, though. This is Steve's biological child. I'm just like yeah, the stepfather who came in and took place in there. Uh, but yeah, I'm a coach for, uh, for Revive Stronger as well, natural bodybuilder as well. And that is mainly my life in a nutshell already. <laughs> And you're going to be a dad, Pascal. And I'm going to be a dad, yeah. So this is real this boy. excited as well. Yeah. So how, how many months do you have left? It's three now before he's actually seeing the beautiful world here. <laughs> right. So today's episode is about mini cuts. And we're going to talk about mini cuts specifically for females. So if you guys want to kick it off. So how long, Steve, how long in duration should a mini cut be? And how, like, what length of, length of time should it not exceed? Cool. So I think mini cuts, I mean, it's, it is what it says on the tin. It's mini. So when people try and extend these to long periods of time, and I would say the maximum length is generally six weeks. If you're going over six weeks, it starts turning into what is just like a normal cut. In reality, this is just like, it's just terminology. It's not like the end of the world. If you end up doing a mini cut and then it goes 10 weeks, it's like, okay, sure. Um, you're probably going to have to slow it down. That's the only thing if you do end up exceeding that. So mini cuts tend to be six weeks in length and anywhere from, I would say, a minimum of three. If people try and do it less than three, I think there's a lot of kind of glycogen shuffling, lots of water just being moved around the place and they're, they're not really getting anything done if they're not pushing it for three weeks and maybe they just didn't need to do the mini cut and maybe they're just a little bit bloated, a little bit kind of glycogen full and just in their off season and not enjoying that look. So three to six weeks is the duration of what I would tend to say is a real mini cut where you're nice and aggressive. You get in, get out, only get in there for as long as what you need to. 
good analogy is thinking of it like a bank robbery. If you're going to rob a bank, you don't want to be in there a long damn time. Uh, something's going to go wrong. So get in, get your cash or get that fat off and get out and back into your kind of massing hypertrophy phase. Just to add something what Steve said, because he uh, is under the opinion that it's th three to six weeks. What I also like to do with some of my clients is actually extend it to something like eight weeks. But everything above that or beyond that, I, I would not call a mini cut anymore because a mini cut should be unsustainable over a long period of time. It should feel uncomfortable at times. And when it's too smooth of a ride, I would also doubt that it's truly a mini cut. It is like in, in real terms, yes, it is a short cutting phase, but when we really see or look at a mini cut, I think it should be a really aggressive dieting phase. It's like Steve said with the bank robbery analogy. You want to get in and out as quickly as you can and reap the most rewards as possible. And that could actually mean that sometimes you actually exceed it to eight weeks, but this is more of a rare occasion, but I just wanted to put that out as well. And do you use mini cuts with your females? And is there a a, like a common difference in length between male and female? Steve, do you want to go ahead or should I kick it off at first? Go for it. So when it comes to females and mini cuts, yes, I incorporate them with females as well. And I know that some people are not the biggest fan of that, but mostly I think that has to do with the starting point of the females. So most of the time when they are really already small individuals, not eating as many calories on a day-to-day -day basis, it can can be quite challenging for them to actually get a sufficient um, caloric deficit in in a short amount of time. Slashing something like, just as an arbitrary example, 100 calories from 1,000 calories is quite a huge difference than picking 100 calories from 3,000 calories of a maintenance, right? This, the one is 10% of the overall caloric intake, the other one is 3.33. So there's a huge discrepancy already there. And when you're starting off with a, um, with a lighter female individual who's only consuming something like maybe 1,400, uh, four, yeah, 1,400, 1,500, where they are really tiny, slashing away like five, 600 calories is already a huge chunk of their overall calories, which is really hard to sustain. As I already brought up, a mini cut should be unsustainable over the long term. However, if you're only consuming something like 900 calories on a day-to-day -day basis, this really gets to you psychologically. I don't think that physiologically it will that be that much of a challenge, probably as well, but not that big of a deal. It will just be a psychological demand, eating only like 900 calories on a day-to-day -day basis. When we really think about something like the uh, rapid fat loss approach promoted by Lyle McDonald back in the days, right? Where it was just a protein modified uh, sperm fast. He said like 800 calories on a day-to-day -day basis. And that was already so challenging for people to stick to something like that, which then makes sense that for smaller individuals, such as female athletes in particular, it may be complicated and too challenging for them to do a mini cut. However, some people also bring up that, yeah, female physiology is just too complex and they adapt too quickly to a, an aggressive environment such as this. And I have to disagree with that. I think that it is mostly due to the starting point of the um, potential availability of, um, of energy. And I'm speaking about nutrients coming in and the form of calories and also body fat percentages. Because when we talk about something like hormonal adaptations, which are mostly present in contest prep athletes. Uh, we see those happening mostly due to those 
kind of things of potential energy not being available. If you are starving yourself and your body fat is being more and more reduced, you will see the effects of it more present. However, this is also the case for, for male athletes as well. So I don't make really that much of a difference when it comes to females and males when it comes to the approach of mini cuts. However, it needs to be said that some females are just too small and have too bad of a starting place to pull that one off uh, successfully. And this is probably where the discrepancy lies between males and females when it comes to mini cuts, in my opinion. That makes sense. And for this reason, would you say that with those smaller females, you would then start to incorporate things like cardio? Um, so this is another question about something like incorporating cardio into a mini cut, right? I, I think that Steve always makes the point that you don't want to incorporate cardio, but for some individuals, it just makes sense. Especially also uh, now that we are specifically talking about females, Yes, it could be incorporated there just to get some additional energy expenditure going. This is what cardio is in general, right? We as physique athletes, cardio should hardly ever be for cardiovascular improvements. Um, the only reason normally, there's, there's always some exception to that, but normally it's just to increase our energy expenditure. And that is then coming in the form of lists or increasing the step counts and i think that this may then be feasible but only up to the point where it doesn't interfere with your normal resistance training cool i can i add to that a little bit yeah, of course. cool so yeah I, I just to confirm i'm very similar in that approach and that mindset with females as pascal said there i don't think it's inherent that a mini cut is going to be completely unsuccessful for them just they're at an end of disadvantage because typically smaller burning fewer calories say a, a male could easily be maintaining on 3000 plus calories going to a thousand calorie deficit is no not a big kind of deal to that person like 2000 calories are still okay female could be maintaining on 2000 and that would be a fine intake you're not slashing a thousand off that that does also bring up kind of rate of loss we haven't necessarily discussed that yet and a mini cut for me, it could be anywhere from like 0.5% per week. That might be more appropriate for a, a smaller female who can't go into that big deficit up to maybe 2% for some people if they're going for a short in and out. So like you guys maybe alluded to, in terms of length, it might be more appropriate for a female to tend to go towards a longer mini cut up to like the six, maybe up to the eight, eight weeks that Pascal described and males because we can just really really push that big calorie deficit because it's just easier to sustain because we're on more intake we can get away with a bit more so i have had females go through mini cuts and be really successful so it's not always appropriate and sometimes you just go okay maybe we should just go through a longer just cut and there's some males that are the same with that but um yeah that's the only additional points i think i had i think what's also important to <clears throat> highlight here is just that when it comes to females, just the perception of or the anticipation that it's not going to be successful that for them can or, or already hinder them in being successful. What I mean by that, if, if you are always hearing that it's not the best idea for a female to do so because of hormonal adaptations, but no one ever proved that, um, you may anticipate that this is actually going to happen to you, right? There is a power of anticipation. Your psychology is just like, immensely powerful we the best example for that is just the uh, study on testosterone so the guys who have been um, 
getting like 600 milligrams. Then there was a group who only got placebos and the placebo group even made more gains than the naturals in it for itself, right? Just because they thought that they are getting steroids. And when you're thinking about that, when you're always hearing people saying that minicots aren't really appropriate for females and um, you will get out with detrimental outcomes of your, of your hormones or so, but it has never been proved to be that case. It may already hinder you because you're already getting in there with a negative mindset. And this is so powerful that you want to, to actually uh, empower your clients in that one. Because I had, I've seen it being successful with many, many of my female athletes already. Um, again, as I already alluded to earlier, it's just a matter of where you're starting at and also how you go about it then. And during a mini cut, what macronutrient do you favor to pull from? And is there ever a difference between male and female? Steve, go ahead, mate. Cool. So, yeah, in terms of macros, I very much, for males and females, I don't think, as far as I'm concerned, there's really a big difference in protein and fat requirements in that you have it, protein and fat requirements are set by your body mass. They're essential. So I always like to set those first. And especially for a mini cut and especially for someone who is a physique athlete where carbohydrates are just going to be the key thing for driving performance, for driving recovery, therefore driving muscle retention. I very much like to set fat at a minimum. So this tends to be 0.3 grams per pound, males and females. That tends to be where I like to put it. There might be cases where I'm like, okay, for the sake of it's a mini cut, it's going to be really short. Potentially we can go a bit below that people tend to be able to get away with lower intakes than that for a very short period of time. But I'd never want to extend that because fats are essential and there's going to be some things going amiss if you don't have that for an extended period of time. Protein, I then would set at about one gram per pound. Again, for males and females, this might move up probably if someone needed the satiety, especially during a mini cut where calories are being pushed very, very low. Again, it's a trade-off of do you want to have some more satiety, but then kind of maybe limit a bit of performance because you're taking away probably then from carbohydrates. So if we can go one gram per pound, 0.3 grams per pound for fat, one gram per pound for protein, and then the rest of the calorie intake be allotted to carbohydrates, I think that's probably the way I do it for most. Um, again, males and females, I don't tend to differentiate there. Yeah. Okay. And what approach to training would you take uh, during a mini cup? Yeah, cool. totally because you've been on a roll here. <laughs> so for training, there's something a bit unique about a mini cut in that it's a short period of time. Like we said, like six, maximum of eight weeks, maybe you're pushing it. So when we're thinking about training, I like to use it as an opportunity to reduce training volume from maximal levels that you might have been pushing during a hypertrophy phase so when we're talking about that i like to talk about the volume landmarks so we have minimum effective volume the least volume we need to produce kind of a hypertrophic response maximal adaptive volume so um mav that's kind of like the best rate you could possibly be growing at and then we have mrv maximal recoverable volume the most volume you can do and recover from so during your hypertrophy phases you tend to move or a lot of people end up pushing towards their maximal recovery volume and then deloading. Everyone tends to get to that point where they're so fatigued, potentially they see a bit of performance detriment or they're kind of, they can't overload anymore. So they take a deload and dip out. Whereas during a mini cut, it's kind of a period of time because it's so short that I like to reduce training volume and you can get away with that without 
potentially losing muscle mass. If you were to continue go at this low level of training, you potentially could risk losing muscle. But during those phases of high volume, you're seeing a lot of kind of the associated downsides of training with high volumes. You're potentially seeing AMP kinase increase to quite high levels, mTOR not being as high as where maybe you want it to be. So that's a down regulation in anabolic things and an upregulation catabolic things. And I say things because I don't know enough about these sort of areas. I just know this sort of thing does happen. We also see adaptive resistance building up something from whilst you do something like any biological thing, the more you push something in one direction, the more it adapts against it. So you get a lot of negative things kind of adding up that potentially make hypertrophy less responsive. Your muscle fiber types potentially transition a little bit more towards slow twitch rather than fast twitch as you raise training volumes and you extend that for a long period of time. So by coming into a mini cut, I like it as a kind of wipe up a bit of that kind of training fatigue that maybe you could term it anabolic resistance um, by coming in training at just minimum effective volume, which is probably actually maintenance volume during a mini cut. So just the least you need to maintain muscle mass during that mini cut. So I like to maintain that. And so training with the lowest number of sets, you need to maintain the muscle mass during that mini cut or minimum effective volume during like a massing phase that would be. So uh, this is maybe on average 10 sets per muscle group. And then not if you are utilizing a progression in terms of number of hard sets, you're not pushing sets up. You're just looking to eke out maybe an extra repetition or an extra bit of load each week for that period of time. The trouble is also, even if you were to try and progress with like number of sets, if you were doing that progression model, you'd probably find it really hard because the fatigue building each week is so large. You're in such an aggressive deficit that you're just tired out. So eking out minimal progress during a mini cut is actually ideal, maybe on a theoretical basis. And then in a practical basis, it's maybe all you can get as well, which is part of the reason why Pascal said, I'm not a massive fan of pushing cardio because this is probably pushing some of those negative fatigue adaptations that you're trying to kind of wipe the slate clean of. So that's how I tend to approach training kind of minimum effective volumes, which end up being maintenance volumes, progressing through maybe repetitions of six to 12 on average. So you're more so focusing on kind of heavy loads for the hypertrophy rep range, if we were going to call it that, and then progress via uh, load or repetitions throughout the mesocycle. That's how it tends to go. And for everyone listening, I would say try and like, especially early on in the kind of mini cut, edge on the side of caution because it gets hard real quick because it's unsustainable and uh, you can get into a real pickle real quick if you're not careful yeah just to add on that one um because so many people overdo it from week one because you still feel good from the previous mesocycle you are coming out of a deload hopefully right you are ready to push it again your calories have been high in the last meso and you just feel good right but all of a sudden the calories are low and you can't really recover from the workload that you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis and it really caught uh, catches up really quickly and if you're not careful you will all already hit a wall like in week three when you're just pushing it too hard so also another thing i think it's important to point out is that uh, people when the performance is actually going down that they think that they are losing muscle mass which is not always necessarily the case it's just due to the environment you're in you're first and foremost consuming probably a lot less carbohydrates which are the main fuel for your central nervous system for recovery purposes and also for motor unit recruitment so the firing of muscle fibers in general if you're then building up fatigue over the time for 
um, over Minicut and you're not consuming enough carbohydrates, it could possibly be that you're just not recruiting enough uh, motor units, enough muscle fibers per set or per rep basis. And thus, your neurological adaptations are probably just going down. Also, at the same time, you're losing a lot of um, circumference measurements, especially you can see something like that on the bench. Um, probably not the case for females, but something for uh, males, especially they are losing fat around the back, around the chest. The water is gone as well so that they are increasing the range of motion and just changing the biomechanics in that in an acute sense. And thus, because of all those reasons the performance may temporarily go down but it is unless it's not really severe or significant you don't have to worry about it it's just sometimes the coast or the trade-off that comes along with a mini cut and once again as long as it isn't severe you don't have to really be too concerned about that only when it's really significantly going down on a continuous basis like let's say from week one to week two it's already significantly going down week two to week three it's going down then you could look into it but when it's just like a drop of one or two reps here and there don't really worry about that too much i just wanted to point that out as well so i think um because i've i've had a lot of experience with mini cuts not just from a personal point of view and with clients but also from like a marketing standpoint as a personal trainer and online coach in that I can't remember how many years ago I ran the mini cut movement. I called it, it was like group coaching, taking people through like a fast fat loss phase. And it works really well as a marketing tool. And people think it sounds super sexy and amazing. Just like Lyle McDonald's aggressive fat loss, um, rapid fat loss diet. Sorry. But in reality, when people then do it, it's not because it's so like Pascal said, it's something not to be sustained. It isn't something that's going to make you from kind of fairly overweight to then having a six pack. It's not those sort of transitions and transformations take a long time. It's not a long kind of, it's not going to make you suddenly look amazing. And in fact, you probably look your worst a lot of the time during a mini cut because <laughs> you enter it probably a bit overly fat from where you want to be because that's probably where you should be doing it. And then you enter it and you're not getting super lean and you're really depleted. So now you don't even look full. So you actually end up not looking particularly great. You look much better the first couple of weeks when you get back into Massey. And that's exactly what you want to use it for to propel you. And it's almost like a yo-yo diet. Typically, we want to avoid yo-yo diets. And people who are looking to do this as like a sustainable fat loss and really get down to a healthy body fat, then yo-yo diet. And that's not what they want to do. So it's not a great general pop tool, I think. And you said your, pop, your listeners are quite often general pop. And I think for them, it may not be the right decision for them to make. And they'd be better off taking a more sustainable, uh, like easier approach in many ways. And it's not necessarily easier. It's just more appropriate for them at a particular time. Also, people end up entering mini cuts inappropriately on many occasions. I've seen people saying, oh, should I enter a mini cut to get the last like 5% off of body fat to take me to stage? It's like, that's not what a mini cut is. It's just strange terminology and things like this. And then also you see people doing sustained long cuts and they're struggling to get the body fat off. And they're like, oh, maybe an end, a mini cut's the answer. And I think Pascal had a great analogy of like, if general cuts aren't working, don't try and put out like a fire with a match or whatever it might be like a mini cut is like something is putting petrol on that fire. It's making it 10 times harder. So people end up entering a mini cut, not seeing the results they want because they're not in a healthy, good place. A mini cut has to add to that. How long roughly should people wait like post show before they run their first mini cut or like how, how much should they push up first before they do that? 
Cool. No, that's a good, good question because I definitely think it depends on the person because some people end up doing uh, contest preps where they're like six months and they haven't had a proper diet break of more than one week within that period of time. So them entering a mini cart anywhere within like the next six months is probably a bad idea. They need to take more time. Whereas for me, my actual kind of uh, contest prep was maybe three months and one of those months was like reversing out. So I could end up being pretty well recovered after like three months and I could end up getting away with a mini cut. So it kind of depends on the person. Um, but in terms of post-show recovery, I definitely think you need to be at least like 10% over where your stage weight was to start appreciating anything from a mini cut. Um, if you're doing it when you're still kind of 5% or you're not even kind of, you still feel some of the diet fatigue factors from the contest prep, like you're still trying to, include high volume foods or any of these sort of things then yeah mini cuts not the answer maybe maintain and then reconsider what you're doing um, many people yeah inappropriately start trying to mini cut yeah. i think steve brought up some really good points and i actually talked about exactly what i wanted to talk about when to incorporate um mini cuts or when they are appropriate because they aren't really appropriate for gen pop or for people who have never been dieting before because in my opinion dieting is a skill that needs practice. We all know that we all have been through several dieting phases. The first dive was just like, you are just learning how to ride a bicycle, right? It's just like wobbly. Sometimes you're just falling off the bike, right? It's just really hard to do. And at some point, it's just such an easy thing. And it's kind of an automated process because you now know where to put the calories, the macros, what macro um, distribution works best for you. The de several different meal compositions. We probably all have our tricks and little things we do that seems not for people from the outside, but just helps us to keep on track when it comes to a diet. When it comes to something like a mini cup, let's still consider what it actually is, right? It's an aggressive deficit and a diet that is unsustainable. Thus, if you haven't been dieting before or haven't done any kind of several dieting phases, it's probably not for you because you simply don't know how to handle such an aggressive deficit. And especially that holds true as well for, um, for people who are just finishing a competition season who maybe fucked up a little bit after the show, gain too quickly and see the mini cut now as the solution. And 90% of the time, it's not if not already 95% of the time, because it will just backfire on you. It will probably make things even worse. In such a situation, just accept that you fucked up and get back on track. But don't do a mini cut in that scenario, right? And also just to point that out one more time, a mini cut, in my opinion, should primarily only be used in the off season to extend a gaining phase. So to buy yourself a little bit of time, to strip away a little bit of the fluff, to then buy yourself maybe two or three mesocycles worth of gaining after that again. It shouldn't really be used as, I don't know, the end of a contest prep or anything like that, or just, I don't know, for psychological reasons or so. That is the wrong thing to go about a minicon. It should primarily be used to actually extend your gaining phase, in my opinion. And how, like, as a question as well, if a female was to enter a, a mini cut phase, what generally, as a rough guideline, like how many pounds above stage weight would you favor to get them down to as like a rough guide? Steve, or a you want to tackle that one? Or, that, or a percentage of their body weight, for example. Cool. So I think 
but as I described before, I think between 0.5 up to an average of maybe for a female 1% per week lost is good. So if you're losing like 5% of your total body weight during that mini cut is good. You could probably do a bit more than that depending on the person. But like we described before, it gets pretty tough to lose at anything more than 1% of your total body weight as a female. So yeah, probably around 5% is a good average rule of thumb thumb <laughs> to lose during a mini cut. Sometimes just to add something there, sometimes it's also masked just by water retention because you're putting yourself under such a stressful environment. And maybe sometimes the scale weight doesn't budge in the first weeks, which you, which is counterintuitive at first because whenever you are entering a deficit, most of the time you're seeing a massive whoosh at first in the, in the initial days and one to two weeks because of all the water that is being released, all the glycogen, et cetera, et cetera. But sometimes because of the mini cut and the, its environment and nature, it is being masked by the water retention because of the stress and also because the training is probably now so much harder as well, or at least it is perceived as harder as well. And thus, this is increasing the water retention probably as well along the, with that. But it's just like trusting the process in that scenario because when you know that you are in a caloric deficit, there's no way around that you aren't losing any kind of fat. There's no, nothing that hinders you from that if you can truly say, okay, I'm in a, I don't know, 500 or 600 calorie deficit. Just, just hang in there. Trust the process. Yeah. And one thing I've said to people before as well about mini cuts, like if you can't be 100% on it with the mini cut, like maybe don't do it because some people are like, oh, can I do a mini cut? But can I be flexible with it? And can I like eat out and things like that? But I would personally say maybe wait until you can give your commitment to it sort of thing. Do you share that opinion or what would you say? No, absolutely. Totally. And we've seen, we've seen it all the time also with clients ourselves, but also because we have our uh, um, public Facebook group and which we have a lot of uh, people as well, 3,800 at the moment. And there has been a time where mini cuts were just the thing and everyone was just asking questions about it. And sometimes you hear them about asking for refeeds maybe and also like, okay, I'm undergoing, I don't know, I have exams coming up and stuff like that. Don't do a mini cut. It's just simple as that. Um, your lifestyle and your life in general at the moment doesn't allow for that. Why would you put yourself under such an stress, uh, such a stressful environment and thing in general when you can't really commit to that, when you need breaks every once in a while? you're just making it unnecessary harder for you to actually make it successful in the long term, which is just like, okay, then just wait maybe one week, maybe two weeks, maybe when you have a time and window where it may be feasible, but yeah, totally agree. Yeah. And to add to that, especially like post competition, if you're food focused and you've, like you said, you fucked up basically, I think wait until you can actually enter a deficit because I was in that situation. Yeah. I wanted to enter a mini cut because I didn't need to do another fat loss phase after nine months of dieting, but I wasn't ready mentally to be able to do that. I would probably just end up binging or something. Yeah. And I can see why it is so attractive in that situation because a mini cut is just like, okay, let's strip away a little bit of the fluff. And in such a situation, you are susceptible to that, right? Because you fucked up. It's just maybe like one, two pounds that you want to get rid of, but because you're putting yourself under such a pressure again, 
with that environment. And you are also just susceptible for a rebound in general in regards to a psychological rebound, right? Um, it nearly always, always goes the wrong way and puts you even in a more compromised spot than before. So just hang in there, just be patient. And I always like to say the dedicated athlete knows when to take breaks. It's not those who always push hard and who always make the rash decisions. And in that sense, stay rational, stay calm and take a look at the bigger picture. Do you guys want to add anything else at all? So the only thing I wanted to add in addition to everything that we've said and probably as we're speaking, me and Pascal are thinking of things and it's just like, oh, this is something to add. But something I definitely would like to add is when someone is doing it, you know, they're, they're a dedicated athlete, they're doing them for the right reasons, they're doing it in their off season. I don't think, and it becomes a very appealing scenario where you just gain mini cut, gain mini cut, gain mini cut and do it forever as if it's an endless thing and you can just mini cut off all the fat that you've gained. But I've personally done this a little bit too much this off season. I think this is my third mini cut. And in reality, at least one of these should have been changed to like a period of maintenance or something like that, where it just, it wasn't the right move to make a mini cut. And the reason I think it's not something that's an infinite process you can keep going for is I think if you're really truly dedicated to your gaining phases, you should be gaining at a period where you're not un it's unable to get rid of all the fat that you're accumulating because you're actually trying to really maximize muscle growth. So you might kind of come up and then come down a bit and then come up at a higher level than you last started a mini cut. So each time you mini cut, you're kind of, you're a bigger person with more muscle and maybe a little bit more fat as well. So you can't just continuously do them forever. So you extend your kind of phase for infinity. Part of that is also um, one of my reasons for liking mini cuts and kind of reducing training volume from the average of what a massing phase might be is to kind of get against that anabolic resistance and kind of reset ourselves, resensitize ourselves to muscle growth. And because we're not training at maintenance volume, which is actually very, very low compared to any muscle growth volume, like minimum effective volume, it's maybe like 40% reduction from where you might train at a mini cut if you're um, training at maintenance and eating ma at maintenance. So you don't truly get a great resensitization. So after a while, I think if you just continue to mini cut and gain, you're either not really making the most out of your gaining phases or, and, or you're kind of building up quite a bit of anabolic resistance and also injury. Uh, if you're training at high volumes for a long period of time, just injury is the biggest killer of so many people's muscle growth. And I hate to see someone just continuously train at high volumes and never have a period of really tapering it back because these things kind of continually build up and to have a reset is quite important. I think and it, the, the pros certainly outweigh the cons. And like Pascal said, the dedicated athlete knows when to do this because it can be really hard. No one likes pulling back. No one, everyone views a period of maintenance as a step backwards or not a step forwards, but really it's like a sidestep to let you keep making strides forwards. So you don't end up having a negative pullback if you get injured or anything like that happen, or you end up really slowly gaining and really not gaining much at all. I have one more question, actually. Would you go from... Would you ever do a period of maintenance before a mini cut or would you go straight from a surplus into a deficit? Typically it's straight from surplus into a deficit. Uh, I do deload before a mini cut and at deloads, there will be a period of kind of a reduction in calories around maintenance if you were in a surplus. So it's like a, a mini maintenance. So it isn't like a 
like huge surplus into a massive dip is like a surplus into a small dip into a, then a dip again. Um, there probably would be a context where doing a bit of maintenance before a mini cut is appropriate. I have trialed this myself in that to kind of circumvent the adaptations that you're getting from the high volumes each mini cut I've done, I've kind of had a little bit more maintenance before it. So first mini cut, I just went straight mass into a mini cut. Second one, I had a week holiday. And so I called this like maintenance. And then I went again. And then the last one I did, I had a couple of weeks at maintenance volumes before going into the mini cut. I think that can extend um, the utility of mini cuts, but I still can't, I don't think it quite gets around the issue. Uh, there probably are some other contexts where doing like a maintenance before a mini cut makes sense. Uh, but I, I don't know them off the top of my head. Yeah, so I can actually add something to that because when everything is going as planned, so um, I plan out a macro cycle. So a macro cycle is basically an entire dedicated training block, such as we are focusing mainly on hypertrophy mesocycles at first, let's say two or three, then followed by something like a metabolite block, so really high volume, high repetitions, et cetera, et cetera. Then we are pulling back, doing a primer phase, at what well, a maintenance phase. We like to call it a primer phase, a revised stronger, and then followed by a mini cut with a decent amount of, uh, of volume for hypertrophy. The reason behind that or the thinking process behind that is when you are following a mini cut by, um, by, um, after a, a maintenance phase, you don't need as much volume and hypertrophic stimulus anymore to maintain the muscle mass or even make some gains in a mini cut. Um, so by doing a maintenance before that, you are lowering the amount of hypertrophic stimulus you need to actually maintain the muscle mass or either see some growth, right? Also, you're mitigating and bringing down the fatigue that has been accumulating from a normal hypertrophic stimulus or training start. Thus, you'll probably be going into a mini cut a little bit more recovered, which is probably also beneficial to make it a little bit more sustainable. And also the likelihood of you getting injured in a mini cut scenario is also reduced along the way. So then, because you're not doing as much volume or not as much volume is needed in a mini cut to actually induce that hypertrophic stimulus that you need to maintain the muscle mass or make a little bit of progress. But let's remember what we said in the beginning. We are not pushing it too hard in a mini cut because we don't want to overdo it. We are then getting out of a mini cut. We are going straight into a gaining phase and then we can ramp up the volume. We are first and foremost resynthesized. Second of all, we aren't probably as fatigued as if we were to go from a hypertrophy block into a mini cut into a hypertrophy block. And thus, you will probably set yourself up a little bit better for the next macro cycle to come to reap a little bit more of rewards. It's just a theory whether you really make that much significant more gains. It's up for debate, but I like to incorporate it that style because it just makes sense on many, many levels to set yourself up in that fashion or way. Yeah. And also one last thing to add, although we say it's better to take like at least a year in between shows, like competing wise, um, if someone has a short off season and let's say they want to compete the following year, would it be appropriate for them in the middle of that short off season, let's say it's like six months, to incorporate a mini cut? I think it would. Um, so of course I would always encourage individuals not to only take one year between shows of course that is always context dependent with the level of advance uh, advancement of that competitor or maybe if drugs are even involved however just for natural athletes 
I wouldn't really encourage them to do so in the first place, but let's just theoretically say they decided to do that. I think the longer you are then in a caloric surplus or in a, in a state where you aren't in a deficit, the better it probably is for setting yourself up for a successful season next year. So yeah, I think that maybe probably even be the most optimal scenario to do that that way. I don't know, Steve, have you anything else to add there? Uh, I was, I was trying to think of something good to add, but I had nothing really to add. I just had a a nod. Uh, So I think you would just want to place it probably right in the middle. So you want to make sure that it's far enough so that you're recovered from the season you've just done, but not so close to your next season because it is going to create a lot of fatigue. So you kind of want to make sure you're fatigue free from the the last season, but it's also not going to impact the next season. Cause I think, the mini cuts just do produce so much fatigue and people don't realize that until after so you see people go for a mini cut they then maybe mass for like one mesocycle one month and then they try and diet again it's like well actually you haven't quite actually recovered from everything you just did uh, they're, they're actually massively stressful if done correctly so yeah just because that brought up some new thoughts just now and that is of course if you only have one year right then because i just said optimally you would do it that way with a mini cut. But I would even go as far as saying like optimally you wouldn't incorporate any kind of dieting phases in the meanwhile or in that year at all, unless it's the true contest prep or preparation for that next show. So you're coming out of the last show, you're recovering, you're getting back to a good level where you actually can make some progress. Then you are directly in a surplus. You're not fucking things up so that you actually can push through a surplus for the longest period of time. And then you start the contest prep, the next contest prep. So in the most optimal scenario, no mini cut whatsoever in, in that scenario of only one year between shows. If you m- maybe messed up just a little bit and you need to clean things up just a little, then maybe yeah, in the middle, just one mini cut, a really short one rather. And then, um, yeah, you don't want to spend much time in a caloric deficit because two shows kind of back-to-back it just takes a lot out of your system i completely agree with all of that um and like obviously me and sammy have taken this year away from the stage which not a lot of bikini girls do particularly Mm. guys always do guys often take time away from the stage because they know that usually the person with the most muscle who's the most conditioned on stage wins um but sometimes i think because bikini girls don't have to have quite as much muscle. They think they can get away with competing back to back, but it is really beneficial for them to take time away from the stage and take time out of a deficit. Especially from a health perspective. And this is something that is so easily forgotten. Um, I think that males, when it comes to the physiology, they are already more simplistic. It's just, it's just a matter of fact. Males, they can die quite quickly right? It is just when you really think about it from an evolutionary perspective, females are so much more important for the survivability of a race or just a species in general. This is something that is um, across the board of species. Females are just the most important character or just gender of species. So when it comes then to males, they can get away with so much more stupid and irresponsible things but when it comes to females, they can't. And you, you guys know that. And there's even something like when you have amenorrhea, the loss of your menstrual cycle, if that is around and present for a long period of time, that can actually to really detrimental health effects. And that is something like osteoporosis. This is something you don't want to have to deal with in, but like when you're older. 
And this is something that is so easily forgotten when you're in your mid-20s because you can't really comprehend the long-term consequences of that. And I can see why that is actually the case, right? When I was 20, um, this has also something to do with your, um, with, from a neuro perspective because of the uh, frontal part um, of your frontal cortex. That is the one that is only evolved when you're like 25. That's also, also the reason why males like to go into risky things when they're quite young, right? And I can see that being the case. And that was the same for me. I did some fucked up shit when I was younger. I couldn't really comprehend the consequences like afterwards. But this is something that especially younger competitors have to realize. Think about the long-term consequences because what we are doing here, it isn't healthy at all. It isn't, right? And that's why you have to be responsible for that. And yeah, have to treat yourself responsible as well. Yeah, definitely. But no, thank you for all of that, guys. It was amazing to have you on the podcast. Um, where can people find you on social media? Cool. Thank right, you so very much. I, I was going to jump in. Um, thank yeah. you very much for having us on. It's always fun chatting to you guys and great to see you guys doing a podcast again, specifically to female audience as well. It was really cool because um, we often get badgered for having more female guests on and things. So we can refer people across to yours, which I think is great. So our handle on most things is Revive Stronger. So I'm on Instagram at Revive Stronger. Uh, Pascal can give you his Instagram, although maybe he'll get badgered to do a bit yeah. more now. Um, and then we're Revive Stronger. always what I like to say. <laughs> we're Revive Stronger over on Facebook. Pascal mentioned we have a Facebook group as well, which you'll be able to find if you search Revive Stronger. The Facebook group should come up. And then if you come to our website, we've got our blog and all of the podcasts over on there. So that should allow you to find everything that we have. Yeah, guys, if you're looking for another good podcast to listen to, um, listen to Revive Stronger. So just search it on the podcast uh, app. And Pascal, exactly. on Instagram, what is your Yeah, so my, my Instagram handle is Pascal underscore floor. But I mean, I'm not as active. I'm not the, the typical Instagram fitness account that is posting like physique updates and stuff like that. Steve always says that I have to step up my Instagram game. I have my moments where I'm then committed to that for two or three days and then um, I'm slacking. Yeah. But yeah, if you want to follow me or if you want to follow someone who hardly ever posts any kind of stuff and if it is, then it's really not really valuable at all. Then um, yeah, be my guest. Follow me on over on Instagram. Quality over quantity, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> The problem is, though, that I can't really, can't, can't really say that the, the things I'm posting are really high in quality either. Failing <laughs> on both fronts. Yeah, totally. In the bio. We'll post them in the bio so people can find them. Yeah. But yeah, thank you so much, guys, for coming on. It's an honor to have you. Um, yeah, we really appreciate it. Yeah. And thank you for listening, guys. Thank you very much. Thank Love you. you.